So today we're going to be talking about Overture 32 coming out of Central Indiana Presbytery. It is about uh, to form a study committee for biblical ethics and digital media. And we want to talk about this because we think, I mean, for one thing, well, let's just jump right in. For one thing, um, social media has was really the start of this podcast <laughs> in a lot of ways because um, you know I have been on Facebook for many years, um, really since I mean the beginning of Facebook, and then um, you know I've only recently gotten on Twitter again. I had been on it for a while, and then just had to get off, and we'll talk about why. <laughs> um, and then. You know, uh, Facebook, we have this group um, to talk about issues in PCA for women. And I had posted something on there. When was that, uh, Elizabeth? Like December, maybe? Maybe earlier? Yeah, maybe a little bit earlier. I feel like maybe it was in the fall, but I can't remember exactly. Yeah, so I had posted it yeah, sometime in the fall. That, that's when everything was happening for us personally in our ministry. You know, my husband is a, a church planter in the PCA, and we moved out here in 2019 to plant a church in, in Montana. And then within a year, we were fired. <laughs> and so that's a longer story. But um, the, the everything that I was going through that my husband and I were, were facing was just so overwhelming and frustrating for me that I I just needed to kind of figure out is it just us are we just being stubborn what what do I need you know what's what's happening like when you're in the middle of a situation like that it's really hard to get a bird's eye view of what's happening and to be able to uh, remove yourself from you know the personal pain and and the trauma of it all and so uh just you know we had this group on facebook of women who are who talk about these kinds of things specific to the pca and just help each other process things that are going on and so i just posted on there i was pretty honest about how i was feeling so it was a little raw (laughs) and you know i just needed that kind of safe space for to, to vent my frustrations without being, um, without, without feeling like um, I needed to, to mask anything or feeling this pressure to, I, I don't know, what, what would you say, like put, put it in the best light or anything like that. I just laid it out there. Like, this is what, this is what happened to us. And because of that, you, Elizabeth, uh, reached out to me and was like, this is, I totally, I, I feel your pain. I know what you're going through. That Would you want to talk about it? And, um, and that was really one of the first times that anyone has, has answered me in that way. Like it, it's mm-hmm. usually someone comes back and asks me all the questions about what, what have you done? What is your responsibility? You know, all that kind of stuff. Instead of just saying, I, I feel your pain. Do you want to talk about it? And then the first time we talked on Zoom, we were like, 
two hours or more. Three hours, I think. Like yeah. three, three hours just <laughs> sharing our hearts and our frustrations and and still trying to be gracious and, and give each other the hope of, of the gospel at work in our lives. And so, you know, we had all of that uh, back whenever that was. And then um, I think that was like, because I remember it being around Christmas time, I think. Okay. okay. Like maybe right after Christmas. Anyway, it all blends together for me. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> man, yeah, it sure does. So, social media, you know, a lot of people want to pitch it as either this, you know, evil <laughs> thing that has created so much tension and division. Yeah. Or we take it for what it is as a mechanism towards helping us communicate better which is the way I view it social media should be a place where we can as believers we should be able to um, engage in conversations we should be able to reach out to each other find people who are like-minded find those safe spaces where we feel like someone is listening to us and understands us in ways that doesn't happen in real life, but should happen in real life. Yeah. And because it happens the way it does um, on social media, it can be that kind of relief for the real world, but also it can be a place where we're learning how to engage that way in a good way in real life. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So you take the principles of, you know, if you're having a, a Twitter conversation with someone and it's getting nasty, you know, personal, you wouldn't necessarily be that way in real life with that person, right. maybe, but maybe you would. And that's where, that's what we want to talk about today is this kind of, is, is social media really that different from real life and what can the two learn from each other? What do we learn on social media that can be applied to our real life conversations and, and what happens in real life that can be applied to our social media conversations? Because they're really just, they're related. They're extensions of each other. And so that's what we wanna kind of think about today. Like, does it really matter how we interact on social media? Has social media helped us for better or worse? And then this particular overture, which I love, let, let's say that, I, I love that, uh, uh, I want to go ahead and say Sam Sam Haste, I believe is how you say his name, who is a newer elder to the Central Indiana Presbytery, has, has written this up. And I love the heart of it all. And that's where those whereases come in. <laughs> you know, it's, these, these are the things we agree on and believe about communication. And so let's address this concern that we have about, particularly about elders and their online activity and, and the way that they communicate things. And so he proposes this, this uh, study committee to be appointed and and kind of talk study social media and uh, its relation to our conversations and in relation to the ninth commandment. So um, yeah. So because of my personality, I looked up when you posted, and it was November twenty fourth. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. 
So it was, you were, we were both right. It was around, yeah. <laughs> yeah. around Christmas. Yeah. Um, I mean, just, just briefly, like uh, social media, I haven't, I think I got on Facebook 2008, maybe. I don't even know when, when Facebook started, but I was not on it when it started. Um, and I think I've said this before in conversations, I tend to be someone who gets into something or on a trend, usually when it's on its way out, um, <laughs> because I'm not like right there at the beginning. I'm not, you know, trendsetter or cool or anything like that. But I got on mostly because my husband became a youth pastor and it was like all of our kids were on it. And I felt like I needed, you know, I had little, little, real little ones at home at that time. And and I couldn't be involved in everything like I wanted to. So social media became the way in which I connected, especially with the girls in our youth group. Yeah. And honestly, I, by my personality as such, I'm a teacher by nature. Like I love, and I'm a student by nature. I, if I could be a perpetual student, I would be like, if I could get paid by that. I love to read, I love to learn. And so I have really kind of treated social media as a platform of that for me, like it's, I'm, I'm learning from it. I I'm seeking out people I wouldn't be able to normally interact with in my lived circles. So I'm learning from people from different, um, cultural experiences. I have friends all around the world, um, from different belief systems, um, you know, friends of all different faiths because of social media. But then I treat my, my page similar. It's, I share what I'm reading or I, you know, I, I, sh I, I want to engage in a way that asks questions and why do we do the things that we do? Why, you know, like, is there room for us to change our minds on things? Do we have room to grow in these ways? And I will often be told <laughs> when I get super discouraged with my posts, because sometimes my Facebook posts will just blow up. And it's like, people are just fighting with each other, you know, from different, because I have such a wide variety of friends, they fight with each other over these topics. And that's not my goal. My goal is to get conversation going, right? But often it will be said to me, well, people aren't on social media to change their mind. They're not on social media to learn. And I have a hard time with that because it's so like, I wasn't necessarily on it for that reason either, but I have learned so much since being on it from people that I wouldn't normally have learned from. So I still treat it that way. But yeah, I'm interested. I mean, I'm excited about this conversation because there's, I think scripture, scripture has a lot to say about these things, about the way we conduct ourselves, even if it doesn't have something to say specifically about the internet or blogs or social media, it has a whole lot to say about how we conduct ourselves with others, how we talk about others, and how we talk to one another. So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's an interesting statement that you're, that you've made that I, I'm, I've thought about a lot in terms of learning our ongoing learning. It's, it's like when you're a professional, there's certain professions that have a continuing education requirement, right? We learn new things or there, there's research that comes out that's new that we didn't understand before, or we, we find some new data that, that kind of contradicts something we knew before. And there's this kind of ongoing learning as things change, as technology changes, all those things. And the connection to relationship is super interesting because, you know, like you're saying, people, people will say, I'm not on Facebook to learn. 
what the, you know, what are you on social media for is the question. And if you say something like, which most of us say, which I say, you know, I'm on for relationships. I keep in touch with people. I, um, you know, there are people that I will probably never see again in my life that I keep in touch with on Facebook. So that begs the question, what are relationships? What are they for? Right. And if it's not to learn from each other, like if that's not a component of your relationship, then what are you really asking of that person? What, what, what is that relationship really based on? And that, that kind of gets to the heart of this, of this whole conversation is that if we're coming to our relationships, like this is who I am and you deal with it, right? right? And that, that's how we are conducting ourselves in many ways. Yeah. Uh, then what, you know, how, how much does that point to our own self-interest, our own self-centeredness in every relationship we have? Like, I have arrived at this destination, and you can join me there, or you can, you know, unfriend me, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, it's, um, it, it's that clear to me that that's how people conduct their lives and conduct their relationships. I mean, we've seen it this past year. I mean, this, so 2020 is gonna go down in history as like the ultimate contentious year of, of American history, right? Like, I mean, in some ways, obviously there's been worse years, please, please don't get me wrong. But um, in a lot of ways, it, it became this, like, we do not, we have deep, deep divides in our country and all of our ideologies and our expression of those costs us relationships. And we um, block each other, unfriend each other, mute. <laughs> that's, that's always, you know, fun getting that's muted. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, we just don't want to deal with it, right? We don't want to try to figure out how to engage well. And so we just take all these tactics in technology that that can make us that we can kind of keep our echo chamber, you know, our little bubble intact without having to in any way uh, have any concession that I could be wrong or that I could, right. I could have something I need to learn. And even if I learn something, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm agreeing with you, right? And right. That, that's kind of a piece that gets lost too, is that I don't have to agree with your conclusion where, where you get to or where you're at currently, but I can listen to how you got there and I might learn to, and I might be able to process something differently because I'm understanding what you've gone through to get where you are. And then maybe I can bring up something that will better appeal to you um, because now I understand. I understand better where you're coming from and not just kind of making these blanket kind of statements that say you're wrong, I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things I was thinking of is the argument that I will constantly hear or the go-to default, I think, is when there's um, misunderstanding or miscommunication via social media, the response is usually, well, social media is just so hard. You know, it's just so hard to have a conversation on social media. And then the blame, I think, gets put on the platform that we're using rather than on the way in which we're communicating. Yes. Because I think to some extent, maybe it is harder, but that doesn't mean that it, we shouldn't try harder 
to un- to listen to understand and to communicate to be understood. Yes. Um and I think I think it's helpful actually. These are helpful exercises for us to be able to learn how to communicate with one another better um in a way that is still loving our neighbor and um and speaking with graciousness. But one of the things I said to my husband early on was I go back and forth sometimes with shutting down my social media or with him, him he'll just be like, you know, I'm just getting it off or whatever. We have these conversations actually fairly regularly. And we always kind of come to this conclusion where it's like, no, we're staying, we're staying. And one of the reasons why is because I believe we can see each other's hearts so much clearer through social media because there is no screen I mean, there is a screen. There's no person in front <laughs> right. of us. It's a screen we're talking, like we're right. engaging right. with. And so even if like whatever we're really thinking, it is coming out on our social media. And that's helpful, I think, for a pastor and for elders who are shepherding a congregation, not to police their con- the congregation's media, but to see their hearts. And I think that really helps to know where your people are at. Um, and for myself too, like I can look back and I'm like, yeah, you know, I was really not kind in those conversations because I was angry and frustrated and that shows my heart. It tells yeah. me, you know, where yeah. I'm at. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, I agree. Uh, and, and to go back to what you're saying, you know, um, when people say things like, oh, social media is, uh, isn't the best method for having these conversations and I push back on that a little bit because you know sometimes it can be because of misunderstanding and because we assign motives to each other that aren't necessarily true we or or intentions like we don't really necessarily think through what is this person trying to say what do I know and and this gets to another piece of it like what do I know about this person? Do I believe the best of this person? It gets back to that trust issue. Do, do I have trust of this person that they really do love Jesus, that they really are trying to understand what it means to be a believer in the world today? Are they really godly people who just, we just don't agree on this one thing? And can I take all of that with me into this conversation, knowing that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, that we need to honor and respect each other? What happens sometimes on social media is we forget all of that. And then we start making assumptions of people that aren't necessarily true. Or we, you know, we do a lot of the, the logical fallacy stuff, right? Like we do the, the straw man. We're arguing against something that that other person isn't even saying, right? right. Like that person doesn't even mean what you're attacking, right? And so there's that. And then there's, you know, this this tendency to be hyperbolic like i'm just going to say the worst possible thing to get because for one you know to get some kind of response out of it but that's also just how we've learned to argue about things we've learned to argue but with these extremes and making all these statements that aren't true that that and are unkind to the other person and so when you're treated with unkindness most of us are, are going to react to that in some way and it becomes a fight or flight right it becomes this I'm going to attack you back because I'm emotionally unhealthy and I'm insecure and fearful and so I'm just going to come back right at you 
and, and feel better about it because I was able to, you know, make some funny joke or post some, you know, image that's mean, that's going to make you feel stupid. Right. And so we end up doing all those things, which is the complaint then of social media. Well, see, they don't know how to argue my, my, so going back to what I was originally say, like my contention is that we really don't know how to argue in real life either. We, we really don't know how to have conversations about things. We don't really know how to be honest with each other. We don't really know how to respect each other, even in our differences. And what happens in real life is we do have that you know, cultural unspoken mandate of not, we're, we're not going to just, you know, punch each other. Right? I mean, we're, we're going to try to be, you know, if we start getting really heated, we're going to yell at each other and walk away. That's what yeah. we do in real life. Yeah. So why would it be any different in, in social media, right? It, it's intense. All of that is intensified when you're behind a computer screen that you can just, you know, type out your frustrations, right? You know, one of the other pieces is that if you spend any time on on social media, sooner or later you're going to get attacked by anonymous people, right? Like an anonymous people that just don't, they don't know you, or I'm assuming they don't know you. Trolls, you know, people who just like to argue, like that's what they are there for, right. to argue with people, to find all the people who say something wrong <laughs> and, and attack them, right? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, because they don't know who you are or know your heart, then you end up, again, making assumptions about people or categorizing them with some, you know, broad brush stroke with all the other people you disagree with when they may not fit into that category at all. I mean, they might in some ways, but you end up attacking kind of the whole category instead of you know, engaging in a, in an honest conversation. And, and, you know, I've heard the phrase like trial by social media, which I think is a really good phrase because it, it is like whoever gets the most likes or, or, you know, quote tweets or whatever wins the battle. And, you know, this kind of court of public opinion that, that allows people to think the only thing that matters is winning an argument and then who gets to decide who won, right? Like, so to give some, my own history, like I've been on social media for a long time in various forms. You know, I, I looked up some, some history just cause I was curious, like email was publicly kind of um, made available around 1992, which was the year after I graduated from high school. Okay. And I remember sitting in the computer lab because computers are, you know, no one could actually go out and buy a computer and bring it home, right? Like they were, <laughs> they were expensive or they were just not available. And so I would go to the computer lab at our school, at the, the college I went to and check my email and it was all, you know, crazy text. You could only send so many lines of text. And it was just, I remember doing that. In college and then I remember when chat rooms kind of started where now you had these like private rooms where you'd go and talk to all these strangers about random things <laughs> and you know I look back on it now and I just laugh like why did we do that what's wrong with us 
but it was it was a thing it's and and so I think thinking back on how it all started and why you know um how prevalent it is now and you know it's interesting that you talked about you know being in youth group and your kids being you know either your kids or the kids in the youth group um yeah we're we're on all these social media you know that around that time it was um you know 20 somethings who are now 40 somethings and you know we were all doing the chat room thing we were all doing um icq which was like old school like aol im type stuff and then all of that we were into all of it talking to complete strangers about really i mean i remember having a really deep conversation once with a complete stranger about suicide and mm. about you know friends that we both had who had taken their own lives and we had this really deep conversation i i i don't remember his name i never i don't think i ever even knew his real name right so isn't that weird it's kind of weird yeah. <laughs> but that's that's what people are looking for in some format and then, yeah. then you fast forward to you know i remember when facebook came out and you know, my friends are starting to move over. And at the time it was all college students. Like, you know, I was in my thirties, but um, at the time it was mostly college students who were on this. I mean, it started out as a college student thing. And then, you know, um, all these 30 somethings started getting on it and, and then all the, their parents started getting on it. <laughs> and then it became this thing where um, it was less about I don't know. It it just became its own its own way to yeah keep in touch with people and post pictures of your kids or your dinner or whatever. And then we had, you know, twenty twenty, where Facebook became or even before that. I mean, I would say, you know, our last election cycle, like twenty sixteen, it really started to become obvious that that there was a lot of <laughs> just hatefulness out there in terms of our our political environment um yeah i also think it's yeah. telling that you look at the reaction to people whose accounts have been removed um politicians whose accounts have been removed and the uh -huh. reaction to it has been like huge and i think that is telling of where we do most of our life now really is yeah. you know on these social media sites because it wouldn't be that big of a deal to have a social media account removed if it wasn't for the fact that most of our country is communicating that way yeah for social media um, well, and but social media is still private you know they're private platforms private businesses they have their own rules yeah. and regulations. You know, yeah so. that's right and and what what happens is, you know, we all, you know, the, the the business model of Facebook, and even Twitter to some extent, but they're very different, and definitely Instagram. <laughs> it's become we're trying to sell things, like we're really trying. Whether it's an idea, we're trying to sell an idea, a concept. We're trying to sell actual products or services. I mean, the the ads have gotten completely out of control right like you can't even always tell what's an ad and what someone's posted and so it's become so much more commercialized 
And because of the commercial aspect, it carries so much more power than it did when it first started. Um, it was much more relationship building. And now it's, it's more um, use your relationships to sell things. Yeah. And that's really what it kind of has become. Um, there are definitely some people who are trying to, to keep that all out of it. And so they don't post anything that's controversial or political or whatever. Um, and are still trying to utilize it as some kind of relationship building mechanism. Yeah. And that, that's kind of where, you know, I've used Facebook successfully for, for a few different projects now over the years. And there's nothing like it in terms of like word of mouth marketing, right? Like if I post something, I think this is great, you should try it. And then it's shared 10 times. It's, you know, 500 people that end up seeing that like, oh, I should try that. And so there, there's absolutely that kind of algorithm to it that, that says um, word of mouth is everything. And that is what was tapped into for political gains, right? To, to say, um, I'm going to post this picture that has incredibly false information, right? but it sounds good to somebody. And so they're going to repost it as this is true. And then, you know, 10 more people post it as true. And before you know it, you know, it's got a million views. Right. And then that plays into our conversation about how should Christians be engaging in social media? Because I think we don't take the time to verify the information that we're sharing. And that's the same as if I speak a lie to you in person or if I share it on my page. Um, it's still it's still not speaking the truth. There's still slander involved. But so I think it really is helpful for us as Christians to ask, you know, if I don't have time to verify this information, then I shouldn't be sharing it because, because just because something says what I wanted to hear doesn't mean it's true. And I think we would know that we would all agree with that, no matter which side of the political aisle we're on as Christians, for sure, we would agree with that just because something says what I want it to say doesn't make it true. Um, and so we wouldn't just, there would, there would be that you know, automatically we would have that kind of a discernment or a wisdom in our conversations about things. It used to be, I don't know, maybe it still is this way. I, it used to be that, you know, if I can't verify who I heard it from, you know, I'm not going to talk about this. Like, or, you know, so-and-so's sister's brother's friend's cousin said this. Yeah. Well, how, I, I mean, like that clearly that's not verifiable information. So why would I share it? Yeah. Well, and then you're getting into, you know, what we've, we've experienced this past year, you know, all the kind of conspiracy theories and our general distrust of media and who that even is anymore. I mean, can, can we even agree on who's reputable, right? Like right. We, can't, we can't really agree on that. And, and when it becomes the definition of it's reputable, if I agree with it, <laughs> Right. Like that's that's kind of where we're at now in in terms of our cultural you know moment <laughs> yeah but, but yes, isn't it interesting yeah. that we don't like we don't trust we don't trust media or journalists yeah. but we'll trust social media right like, exactly <laughs> exactly we'll trust okay. youtube anybody with yeah. a youtube account that has doctor right. in their name right <laughs> 30 year old in the basement of his parents house putting together whatever information he wants on a youtube video and suddenly 
that yeah. is trustworthy. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. And so, no, no, you're, you're, you're good. The, you know, going to the overture and one of the um, purposes of the study committee, number three is pastoral guidance on how to address questions of public concern without unintentionally, which I, <laughs> I, I appreciate that he's trying to be gracious here, unintentionally spreading false or misleading information which we've seen, you know, I, I've seen people and I've caught people and pressed them on this because I've seen people post things based on the headline. Without <laughs> ever reading. They haven't even yeah. read the, the actual article. And yeah. we all know the headlines are just clickbait. And so they'll put some headline on it and then you read the article and it's like, I don't think this is saying what you think you right. wanted to say. Right. And I've, I've had that happen a few times now with people I will not name but um and it's it does end up becoming this there whether or not they're unintentional about it is another question uh I'm gonna post things that will continue to um support my my view and my narrative yeah. um and then the, the second part of this is without disparaging the good name of others and I think you know, one of the things that Rob and I have talked a lot about in these past six months to a year, you know, there's, there's so much to be said for slander and gossip in our circles. Like, I don't care what the world does. The world is going to do what the world does, right? The world is going to world. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's Christians that we're talking about. Christians who profess the name of Jesus Christ who are telling us their, their only concern is the purity of the church and the gospel, right? These are the people we're talking about. Right. The who people then, who, who yeah. blast that in their profiles, okay? So, you know, you yes. can look on anyone's profile and you see loves Jesus, you know, right. God is king or whatever. And, right. and that's the word, yeah. Exactly. So, so these are the people that we're talking about who tend to uh, make statements <clears throat> excuse me again these like exaggerating statements this kind of you know people are starting to call them chicken littles right like ch the chicken little people sky in the church falling. who are just running around sky is falling and and turns out the chicken was correct so you know people who are using that as an analogy don't really know what they're talking about but um i, I find it amusing all around because it's irony right it's irony that we think the people who are doing that are wrong and they think we're wrong and well no one knows right yeah <laughs> something's yeah. falling yeah so yeah it's all falling everything is falling apart we know that <laughs> Um, but the people who kind of make these exaggerating statements like the gospel is at stake or mm. you know, the church is going to fall apart or, um, you know, if you keep pressing this issue, then you are going to, you know, destroy the kingdom or, you know, all these kinds of statements that are just bonkers and incorrect, right? We, we know this. We know it is incorrect to say that. And it's slanderous. It, it ends up being slanderous because it's not true. And when you start accusing certain groups of people of doing that, it, it becomes slander. And then you know, it's to, so getting back to, you know, it's the ninth commandment and we know that the ninth commandment can just be boiled down to do not bear, 
bear false witness. And in so many ways, it's bearing false witness against people by attributing to them statements or stances that they don't take. They aren't actually taking these stances that you are accusing them of taking. Therefore, it's not true. Therefore, it is false witness. And that feels like it should be obvious. But um, at this very same time, you know, pointing back to the catechism, for the ninth commandment, you know, the, the catechism, I didn't grow up with the catechism, so I, I've been learning so much about it, and it's it's amazing to me. The catechism's always lying out, laying out the, the two principles, like, we don't do this, these are the things that are wrong, this is what the commandment forbids us to do, mm-hmm. and we are required to do these things, right, that, that's both and don't do these things, but do these things. And so what becomes the the breaking of the ninth commandment is not only are are people doing uh, the things that are forbidden in the commandment of slander, gossip, um, misrepresenting people, they're also not doing the things that are required, which is to promote other people to ensure that that we are giving we are giving honor and respect to other people particularly those within the church yeah and 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 not just you know saying well i'm sorry i said something bad about you but then also saying can you explain to us more what you mean and and can we have a good faith conversation about your concerns and giving them that platform and that space to promote their ideas. We're not doing that. We're, de- we're definitely not doing that. We're promoting ourselves and our own ideas. We're putting on conferences <laughs> to promote our own ideas and saying this is what's wrong with everybody else. Yeah. But we're we're not we're we're neglecting the the things that the ninth commandment requires of us. Yeah. yeah. And to me and this is where we're getting to as far as this overture we're trying to figure out what that means to holding people accountable you know if i post something if i tweet something right now that is untrue about someone like what happens can i be brought up on charges in my mind yes absolutely if i say something that is untrue of you you can say, that's not true. I mean, you go through the Matthew 18 process, right? You, you go to the person privately. Hey, that's not true. Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> or, uh, you know, and you, you go, you try to resolve the conflict. If that person just doubles down on it, you go to the church and the, the session and the session needs to approach them. And then if there's still, uh, what's that word that, there's a fancy word when you're not repentant. Do you remember? Instead of the C. <laughs> I totally went blank. No. Yeah. Anyway, I'll think of it eventually. But <laughs> when, when you're totally unrepentant of something, then then something needs to be done. And, and that's where, you know, the formal charges and discipline need to be enacted, you know, on this 
overture they're talking about you know what kind of accountability and discipline do our members need to have and our officers who should remain above reproach and so if they're not remaining above reproach in social media and and we have you know receipts as the kids say um for for what they've been doing i mean we do we have screenshots of of terribly uh you know accusative and painfully you know just hateful remarks that that some of these elders elders say about people and and it just goes completely unchecked and it just is a slap in the face of of the commandments and of of the catechism really so I, I mean, you know, we could talk about that, like just this kind of, there is, there is a higher standard for elders. I mean, there just is with the, you can't get away from that in scripture that God continues over and over to say that he has set them apart in a different way and they need to be held to, to these standards. And, you know, my, my husband and I were talking about this earlier and just, um, he he was somewhere where someone said well you know if they they pass some kind of overture that says you know that elders can be brought up on charges for social media then wouldn't elders just be worried all the time about being you know about being um charged with all these things and my husband was like yeah and they should be what's wrong with that right Right. i mean that's exactly right that's exactly right you know if you are worried about what you're posting on social media hey maybe don't post it on social media right yeah like i mean it's not saying that we're and here's where the debate starts right it's we're not saying that you censor yourself so much that you don't say anything which is i mean maybe that's what you need to do maybe you're you're someone who just shouldn't say anything you know then that begs the question of should you be an elder <laughs> well well there there's that question too, <laughs> which is always the question that i have but you know the, the concern of holding people accountable for what they post again it does several things it it makes people think twice before they post anything like is it worth it is it really worth it for me to post this thing so that i can get some likes or i feel like i won an argument over yeah. you know being being an elder in good standing right like right. Is, is it worth it and then it's also let me think through my social media presence if someone were to look at all the things that i've posted would they get a clear picture of jesus and the beauty of the church right like yeah. will they get that picture from me and then it also um kind of puts this you know uh it's the the question of what kind of culture are we are we really cultivating in our churches where we can't like if i post something that's controversial that i really believe can't we then have a conversation about it right like if i want to post something that i think is really true which i have right so on a personal note everything that happened last year that resulted in in my husband stepping down was really started by a a social media post that's really how things kind of got off where he posted something that people didn't appreciate and so then it became this as it should it became a place of discussion let's talk about what I wrote and why 
um, let's talk about what it means for the church. Let's talk about what it means for our church plant and what we're doing in the church plant. And, and it becomes the, the place where people need to ask themselves, am I giving into straw man arguments? Am I listening? Am I really listening to the heart behind the post? Am I willing to engage in this conversation in a way where I might discover that I'm wrong, <laughs> right? And so, you know, there are some people that were willing to kind of have those conversations, but at some point it all just broke down because there were other people who had kind of this agenda and it really was an agenda of getting rid of us for, for many reasons, but I don't want to go into that now. Um, yeah, but it all circled around very much circled around kind of our social media presence. And as a result of that, so that was in the height of COVID and all the restrictions and people taking extreme stances on what the government was doing and how they were on all sides, right? There was all sides of the COVID thing. Don't wear masks, do wear masks, don't shut down, you know, all, all of those discussions. And so it didn't matter what side you took, you were going to have enemies, right? Which is part of the problem. And then it also just highlighted this idea that if you say something that goes against the majority of people in your circle in this kind of echo chamber situation, you know, the, really the, the onus on of, of who is going to exhibit the most grace, who, who's, going to, um, who's going to not jump to conclusions, who's going to try to engage in good faith. It should really be on the elders. Right. And so, you know, you start, you have this kind of divide of elders versus lay people. And while we're all accountable, we're all accountable for what we do and say, absolutely. The shepherds really are a little more accountable and really do need to own what they say. Right. And be able to back up, you know, if they, if they post something or if they say something that they strongly believe is true and they say it in a way that is less than gracious <laughs> or less than, uh, winsome then they need to own that and say yeah I probably could have said this a better way and repent for it right and, right. and really make the effort to to say say that publicly as publicly as they said it the first time but then the people who kind of want that person's head for that post uh, need to give equal grace and say you know, I disagree with you. I think you're wrong, but I'm not going to personally attack you for it. Right. And that's where the cancel culture comes in. Yeah. It's a whole different discussion. Um, so one of the whereas in the overture, you know, is about new forms of communication being social media. Um, create new opportunities both to advance the kingdom of God and to violate God's commandments. And I'm thinking about this in all of what we've talked about so far, how true that really is, because people are watching and, 
and there may be people out there who are outside the church, um, outside the Christian faith, who are looking for ways to point out hypocrisy and inconsistencies within Christians. And you know what? Honestly, I think those are opportunities for us to show to be humble and show our humility, and and they should be. So um, I have a personal example of this that I am thankful for. There was an elder from our previous church who was posting a lot of things, um, a lot of things from a ministry organization that he is very passionate about, which is great. But interspersed with that were a lot of things on um, politics and and uh, cultural war right, things that are going on within our country, and they were often crass and and dehumanizing of people that were on the other side, and and sometimes the thing, and he was not these weren't his words. A lot of this stuff was just a click click chair click chair click chair. That's all they were. So what happened was one of the ones that he shared, well, several of them, this is where I brought up the whole conversation of verifying your information. You know, a lot of these things that the original pages were just created like yesterday, you know, and yeah. this is their first post. Or they are sharing all kinds of things, including like witchcraft stuff or, you know, all kinds of, of really horrible language and graphic photos that should not be and you're not sharing those you're sharing this post but people can click on that page and they go to the page and they see all this stuff that I know you don't agree with you know I know you know is wrong but you've shared this one thing that is very crass but you agree with the statement and you essentially are sharing the whole page you just you essentially are so yeah. you know there's all of that discussion with there Anyways, so he had posted something that was very offensive and a mutual friend commented on it and said, this is very offensive as an elder, you know, you should be much more careful about the things that you're posting. And there were a lot of his, a lot of friends that would come, that came alongside and basically attacked this comment, this person's comment, like, he can say whatever he wants. He can share whatever he wants. I don't think this is offensive. This is true about the other side, you know, all these things. And, and to this man's credit, the commenter and the elder, um, the commenter just kept like saying, listen, you can disagree with me all you want, but the language and the tone here is not becoming of an elder. And this elder, two days later, posted of his own words, an apology for that, for that post and for other posts that he had posted for the, the mindset behind it for his for his way in which he talked about other people you know it was a fairly it was a fairly good uh, i thought it was a good apology it was one of repentance and he has not posted anything other than his ministry or family photos and things since then and this happened almost a year ago almost i think that's a really good example of humility, of accountability, of being willing to hear someone else's side. I think it's a, I think it's a good example all the way around of someone, you know, in your church being able to say, this isn't great. You, you need to be careful about what you're doing, but also for an elder to say, you know what, you're right. I haven't been very careful about 
those things. And yeah. even if it's something I agree with, the way it's said is not God honoring. Yeah. Um, and, and why I bring that up in this whereas is because people see all the things we post. And if you look at the full page and you see all this ministry stuff that is, you know, pointing to the gospel, but it's mixed up with all this other slanderous and dehumanizing posts, that is not going to advance the kingdom of God. That is violating, that is violating his commandments. So anyway. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's great because the, the those are the the kind of anecdotal things that happen in our churches that we need to that that's what we aspire to, right? Like it's right. not in, in a lot of ways, you know, people are just like, oh well, you know, you're just censoring people or you know, people can't just be themselves or you have no sense of humor. That's something that always gets me. Like you you just don't have a sense of humor. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm not funny at all. <laughs> But I think, you know, it's, it's this kind of double downing of, I get to do whatever I want to do, which is, by the way, not a qualification of an elder either. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, this idea that, you know, you make one mistake or you you post one thing and all hell breaks breaks loose, right? Right. right. So we, we have to have that balance of the, of the two things. I mean, I, you know, looking back over just, yeah, this past year where things have just gotten completely out of control on social media, <laughs> you know, we're all trying to learn. We're, uh, let me back up. We should, as believers who are following after Jesus Christ and wanting to be more and more like him, and as you're saying, uh, be a witness to the world of what it's really like to follow Jesus, we should be more and more gracious in things that we post and the way that we react to things that are posted. It's, it's both of those things. So, you know, I can see someone posting something that I vehemently disagree with and just, you know, flat out hate. I don't have to attack that person. I really, really don't. Like, it's almost like people feel it's their duty <laughs> to, to attack that person. And I just really strolling. don't. Yeah, just keep going. Or, you know, send a private message and just be like, dude, that's really unhelpful. And here's why. Or depending on, and again, it all depends on the relationship, right? Right. It really does depend on the relationships that we're building and why we even have relationships with people. Am I, you know, the moral police for all of my friends? No, I'm not. And by friends, I mean everyone on my friends list. Uh, You know, but then you have shepherds who are actually responsible for, for people and they can graciously, humbly engage with people, your, what you just shared uh, and just say, hey, I, I feel like that's wrong. I feel like you need to, to think through why you posted that. And that's what happened with, with my husband. And right. you know, people are like, we don't, we don't agree with this. We don't like it. And, and he was, he was repentant. He said, he posted publicly I, that, uh, and I don't know verbatim, but he, he took it down, he deleted it, and he said that he was sorry for, you know, he was not posting anything political, but that, you know, it was something that had more to do with 
the church as a whole and the gospel and he wants people to understand what he's saying and so he clarified what he was saying but because it aligned with a certain narrative (laughs) we still got fired but anyway (laughs) the overture also makes this distinction which i think is super important here about private and public offenses and there's several places in the bco that address that and kind of parsing out what's considered public and what's considered private, which I think is important. You know, it specifically says um, private online groups with substantial membership are increasingly common. So the, the history on this, and I only know this because and I'm totally outing my husband here, but I only know this because he's part of a couple of private groups online. Uh, and here, here's what those are like that. So there's uh, Facebook groups. Anyone can make a group of anybody they want. Right. Um, and so there's like kind of an official PCA teaching elder page. I, actually, I think it's any elder. So teaching or ruling elder. And it's just anybody, right? Anyone who's currently a teaching elder or ruling elder. And though that page is very public, very much, you know, I don't know how many people on there, but there's a lot. And that page can get really heated and and contentious and painful to watch. And so as a result of that, there's there's been some like secret groups where people will create a private group that no one else can see. So they can kind of hash out some things um, or, you know, just commiserate, just commiserate with each other like I can't believe this guy said this and so the 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 work that will need to be done for the study committee is to figure out how much of that is okay and when does it border on or when does it cross over not border when does it actually cross into gossip right I mean slander is right out Let's agree on that. Slander and libel. Libel is slander in writing. Uh, that that's just right out. We're not we're not making false accusations. We're not making hyperbolic statements that don't apply. Straw men, all that stuff. We're not doing that. But then, if you're talking about someone and the way that they frustrate you, is that gossip, right? Like, when does that become gossip? And then is there a place for these guys to, to just commiserate with each other and just talk about, this is really upsetting me and I don't know where to go. I don't, I don't want to talk about it with anybody at my church. I need someone to talk to about this. And it was very much what I did in that Facebook group for women yeah. when I met you. And is there room for that? Is there room for a place where people can can do that without repercussions and without feeling isolated and silenced? And so, you know, the, the study committee is going to have to do some work around that and figure out where those lines are. Can we, and if we can draw some hard and fast line of when that needs to be shut down, because like the line in here, substantial membership and increasingly common. So there are certain online groups that are have grown and have a lot of people in them. And so if people start talking about things in those groups, 
it's becoming more and more public in the mm-hmm. sense that more and more people know about them. Right. You know, you have, you have things like what happened with Amy Bird, right? Yeah, that's exactly and, what I was and, thinking. Yeah, and Beth Moore. And so you have these private groups of men that are being horrible to these women and saying incredibly slanderous and mean-spirited things. Is there, is that okay? Are we saying that, well, it's a private group and so we, you know, they need to be able to vent <laughs> or whatever, right? But but then, you know, is that the same as, you know, one pastor's wife sharing her frustrations with another pastor's wife? I don't think it's right. the same. I don't think it's the same thing. So they, they're going to need to kind of think through what what it all mean you know pros and cons of of private groups uh what it means to gossip you know and do you, like you you brought up the other day about the concern uh i believe you said that tim had about you know would something come out that says people victims of abuse aren't allowed to post on social media like are, is someone going to come down and say if if you you know have a current case in in the session or at the presbytery or SGC or wherever that you're not allowed to talk about it, like is that gossip? We I mean we know. Well, I don't uh, know, and, and if it's your own case too, you know, like yeah. I think we have to be careful about telling people they can't talk about their own experiences. Right. And is there wisdom in the way in which people talk about their experiences? Sure. I mean, we can talk about some discernment there, but when you're in the midst of an abuse situation, that is not the time to talk about where and when and how you can talk about the way you're being abused. Like it needs to get dealt with, you know, you need to be heard. You need to make sure that you are heard and that the abuse stops. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's that like, to me it um becomes a question of you know there's a there's a line in the bco about sins that are notorious versus sins that are private if somebody uh you know victims of abuse that feel like they're not being heard or who you know the sessions come back and say we're not going to prosecute this case right and they feel like they have no recourse they'll end up tweeting about it or posting it in their blog, which we've seen quite often. You know, if something starts to become notorious where people will find, people in that church will find out about it from sources outside the church. Right. That to me is is unacceptable, (laughs) right? Like it's completely unacceptable that it gets to that level where people in your church are picking up a newspaper and reading about their church on the front page. That's unacceptable right. Right. to never get to that point. Now that, that said, you know, uh, where, where does social media kind of play a role in all that? You know, if public outcry on social media didn't work, then we wouldn't do it, <laughs> right? Like public outcry, actually works it actually works it pushes buttons and and it makes people say okay we need to look at this and what we want is people to say okay we need to look at this a lot earlier than 
than by the time it gets put on Twitter, right? We want people to look at it years ago. <laughs> you know, we yeah. don't want we don't want people to say, well, that happened two years ago and we did nothing about it, but now someone's posting about it on social media. So we'll look at it. That's that not that's not what we're sh- we should be doing. Right. And so this kind of, you know, that, again, that's that's something that the study committee needs to take into account when they if if and when they make any kind of decisions about or propose, I should say they propose because so this a committee just kind of makes suggestions um, and then the, it becomes the GA will deliberate and they'll decide should these things be accepted, should we adapt anything in the BCO, that kind of thing. So the study committee will just get together, they'll they'll come up with a report and say, these are things we think you should do. So, you know, I hope they touch on this idea of the, the influence that social media has in, in communicating what's happening publicly. I mean, you know, we, we've learned about things, you and I personally have learned about things through social media that we never would have heard anywhere else. Right. Um, about what things that are going on in the PCA and in, presbyteries and it's a good thing like people will say oh well you know every church should deal with their own laundry kind of thing but i i think because of the way that we're set up as a denomination i think it's important that we all have these conversations because no no church is an island we're all kind of i mean you have you have your own authority locally and and all that but we also need to learn from each other so that we're not making the same mistakes and so, you know, this this committee needs to consider the role of social media, not just cutting it off completely and saying, you know, kind of this, the abuse of a good thing negates, you know, the good of it. Um, and I think we need to address that and say, we're going to have clear standards of abuse of social media, false witness all those things, and we're going to embrace the things that social media can do for us, can help us communicate better, can help us connect to each other, and be a witness to the world of how the kingdom of God really works, how it should really work. And that that's all, should always be the goal, right? Like, it's, it's always the goal of showing a better way of living together. I mean, you and I both have said, before that the you know the good parts of social media and what's available to us has helped us tremendously in understanding what's happening to us personally right like you go and you read you read someone's you know twitter thread and you just resonate with everything they're saying and it helps you sort through how you're feeling about your own circumstances and that that's what the kingdom should look like that's what we should be doing for each other instead of tearing each other down instead of pointing out all the things that we're saying wrong yeah you know as we get closer to ga we've been posting more i've been posting more and more and more people are stumbling on what we're doing within the pca which is good and bad I mean, in a month from now, I might be like, you know what, let's just shut down all social media. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I don't think so. But, <laughs> you know, there's there's definitely this kind of social media righteousness 
I call it because uh, there, there's people who get on social media and say, you know, I'm doing it right. Everybody should do it like me. <laughs> the amount that I'm on social media is the right amount. <laughs> and, you know, people post all kinds of self-congratulating you know virtue sing- <laughs> signaling things i mean i do it too i will i will be honest there are times i i have to catch myself before i hit post because yeah. i'm like well this kind of does sound like a humble brag so i'm gonna not yeah. do that uh, and i want people to call me out on it i really do anyway, you know my husband calls me out <laughs> but um and i do i've kind of because of everything i've been through this past year i do more often than not say I don't need to post anything uh, because I don't want it to come across like I'm setting myself up as the standard mm. so I don't I don't post things that I might have a year ago uh, and just trying to think through how can I be more gracious in the way like there's always two ways to say things right there's one that's like really uh, painful <laughs> and then there's a way that's more gracious and so I'm always trying to think if I'm saying this in the negative, is there a way that I can say it in the positive that will be more helpful to people? You know, I'm going through this book, The Emotionally Healthy Woman, and there's a, a few times when she says to ask yourself, you know, why, why are you doing what you're doing? Are you looking for validation? Are you looking for approval from people? What will happen if people disagree with you? How are you going to react to that? And I think yeah. we, have to, we have to think through all of that. Yeah, that was something from the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book that I really appreciated was just the introspective questions like that they recommend. And I've really tried to implement, why am I feeling what I'm feeling right now? What am I believing to be true? Is it true? You know, is, yeah. is what I'm believing to be true even true? And I think along those lines with social media, you know, those questions are things we should be asking ourselves frequently. I am having an emotional reaction post. Why? Why am I having that reaction? You know, and and is this a person I have a relationship with? Is this is this someone I I should make a comment on or or just keep on scrolling? You know, like asking mm-hmm. ourselves these questions before we just react to things. I think are really helpful. It's really helpful for me. It is difficult for me as, you know, my personality is, is such that I see everything wrong all the time. Like whether it's a typo or like a theologically, you know, (laughs) I disagree with that's not, you know, this, but actually that's not what we believe in reform circles or whatever, you know, but at the same time that I'm doing that to myself, like internally, I, I am, constantly I have this constant critic all the time and so it's it's very difficult for me and I have to do it you know it's why Tim is so good for me really is it is not my job to correct all the wrong things in all the world like because I am a fallible human being in which even my view of all the wrong things might be wrong and it may not actually be a wrong thing you know so I I just think I'm doing that on a regular basis and I think it's helpful you know to to me the bottom line is what's the point of being on social media what each of us have to think about I had to think about that back when everything was happening last year 
Like, what am I trying to do? Am I being humble enough to say that, yes, I want respect. Yes, I want an audience. I want a platform. I want as many likes as I can get. Mm-hmm. You know, do I do I want to feel heard? And, all, and those things aren't necessarily bad things, obviously. But what's the point of it all? Am I really honestly hand to God trying to build the kingdom? Or do I just want to be right? Do I just want to win? Do I just want people to sing my praises? And so I had to ask those questions for myself um, last fall. And I I ended up uh, deleting my Twitter account. Mm. And not to, this is going to border on on virtue signaling, which I was saying not to do, <laughs> but like, I, I mean, because I just want to share how God was working in my heart to, to humble me. Like I gave up a lot of followers that I had built up over the years. I had given up the history of, you know, a lot of connections that I had on Twitter and my blog and all those things are connected to it. And I had to have this come to Jesus moment, like, Robin, what are you willing to give up for the sake of the kingdom? And I just felt convicted about it. And I said, you know what, I I need to turn down my social media presence and, and give it to God. And so I deleted my Twitter, which was, I mean, you know, I, I think it's funny to say this, but I actually cried. Like I cried when I did it because it felt like I was, giving up a part of who I who I am like my identity was wrapped up in you know how many followers I had yeah and so I mean and this this is a an account I had long before I even met Rob like it was before I was married and everything so you know it was it was history yeah and it felt like it was part of me but at that same time I realized like after I did it I realized that that's exactly what I needed to do to be humble and to say I care more about that than I do about the kingdom of God. And to give that up was freeing. It was freeing for me eventually. Like, like not right away. Uh, it, it took a few days <laughs> before I was like, yeah, this is okay. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And I don't, I don't always need to be right. I don't always need to win. And, and that was what God was doing in my heart. And it was good. It was good for me. It was good for me to think, through all that and to ask all those questions and that's really you know for me what what we all need to be doing in light of this overture and and hopefully the the study committee will get at that as well and and ask those questions of all of us in the pca who say we're we are fighting for the purity of the church yeah yeah that's good yeah 